We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Okay, ready? Think what you know, and it's about a time when you get yourself in a I want to the ratio okay though the ratio okay though that might be the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> You got two of the biggest names in the game who you plucked and grew into massive stars in in Lil Uzi Vert and Jack Harlow. What did you see and hear in Uzi that made you say, I I, I need to sign? Because that's your first big signing, right? When it came to to Uzi, a, a lot of what I saw in him was that him being from Philly and me knowing what the history of like Philly rap was and is and how different he was in a, in a sense. When I first had to explain to Vert or people were like, what are you working on? And I was like, hey, we just signed this kid Uzi. And people were like, oh, okay. At the time, the only way I could explain it was he is to Philly what I would see like a, the ASAP movement was to New York in a, in, in a lot of senses in a way of like, there's this there's this this new culture coming from kids who they, they're not spitting the way that respectfully meek or, 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 or Siegel was spitting in a sense like he's coming, you know, left field with it. And, you know, he, he has range when it comes to, you know, melodies and, and songs. And so that was that was a big thing we saw in him early. And, you know, just a, a lot of it was just in his confidence and and where he where he saw himself going, you know. DJ Drama is one of the most important names in hip-hop culture over the last several decades. He went from making the Gangsta Grills mixtapes to running Generation Now Records, which has Lil Uzi Vert and Jack Harlow. He's got an incredible story about getting arrested by the feds for making mixtapes. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about working with Lil Wayne on his incredible dedication series and working with some of the most important people in the industry, including Tyler, the creator, T.I., everybody. It's the man, the myth, the legend, DJ Drama on Touratia. Show. 
it's interesting. You've been in the game for so long that you've seen it really change. And, you know, from, from when it was Gangsta Grills to uh, now Generation Now, what it means to be a great, successful MC has really changed. And I think, you know, Gangsta Grills era, it was very much bars, lyrics, you know, metaphors, those sort of things. Now I think it's it's different. And I'm not one of those who's like, oh, my day, the MCing was better. But it's different. Can you talk about how you what the change that you've seen over that time and what it means to be a great MC, an acclaimed MC now versus what it was, you know, uh, you know, a decade or two ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I still like, I, I, I think I still come from that school. Like, you know, clearly I guess from my age and, and what I came up on of like, you know, lyrics being important, I also, you know, come, like you said, come from an era where like, you know, when we talk about Gangsta Grills, we might think about, you know, the Wayne era or like early T.I. or even Jeezy, who at some point might not have even thought was as lyrical. And then but somebody that, you know, definitely comes to mind that I feel is important to like put it maybe put in perspective with the with um how things change is someone like Gucci, you know, for for an example of somebody who became quite prominent, you know, was, was a, was a, a uh, super uh, commercially successful artist, you know, but was not also known as the most lyrical. And then, you know, somebody like him, who, if you think about a lot of the, um, you know, artists uh, of today or, uh, or what have you, they, they come from that school or are inspired by him, you know, somebody like a, a, a thug or, um, a Uzi or or Playboy Cardi or something like that. And, you know, even using those guys as an example, I know like when I first met Uzi, you know, and we first got in business together and first started working together, you know, when we asked him his influences, you know, he told, he, he's a kid from Philly who, you know, me coming from Philly and knowing the, you know, thinking about people like Black Thought and, 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 and Meek and just the lyrical history, his his first CDs were Mike Jones and Yin Yang Twins. So, so, you know, for what he grew up on, like those inspirations, I think it it, it made this like um this this collide almost of, of of all these worlds that came together, you know, especially in a in a time and a space where hip hop was so so localized and so marginalized in a sense, you know, when you had a, a sound that was very East Coast like or a sound that was from the South or the West, you know, once the internet came into play and, and kids like Wiz, who wasn't as popular in Pittsburgh as Gucci was, but had this, you know, huge cult following elsewhere or, or, or Cole, who wasn't probably that big in Fayetteville, North Carolina, but was huge all over the place elsewhere because of the internet, you know, it made, it made it, uh, it made a transition of, of like, of of how an MC's popularity and 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 what it meant, you know, to to you know create a fan base in various places was to be, you know, and then again, uh, in in those years of of 2015 and 2016 when the DSPs really became 
such a thing. And, and you know, we, we watched the game like kind of turn in that transition and quote unquote, quote, mumble rap become such a thing. Like I think about the double XL cover, I think 2016, the freshman cover that had like, you know, 21 Savage, Yachty, uh, Uzi, Kodak, um, you know, who all today are like, you know, to a whole nother generation, they're like godlike figures, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, um, yeah, you know, so I think some of the same things that we that I came up on, uh, for instance, still are still resonate and still matters when it comes to hip hop. You know, I'm still one to believe that, you know, no matter what, like um, the album is a very important thing to anyone's career. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people can make you can make a dope record and 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 be hot for a minute, but you know, when you make an album that becomes you know, that stands the test of time and people remember or think about a, a time and a place in their life. That's what resonates. And, 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 um, you know, we think about the, the, the Mount Rushmore's of, of different times and of different, uh, uh, of, uh, generations per se. You, 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 you said, when you talk about the importance of the album, of course, and I want to hear your artistic statement that you made, you spent a year or whatever putting together. These are songs we picked. Um, but even as you say that, I'm like, yo, I miss mixtapes, man. Yeah. Like, that was a great period of this thing when people made stuff faster. When I got, like, I would go down to the corner and I get something that had like 10 different MCs on it. Some of them I knew, some of them I didn't know. I got, oh, wow, who's this guy who destroyed this song? I never heard him before. Like, and now I'm meeting new guys and here's something from. Fat Joe that I'll never hear again, but, and people would go extra hard. The albums would be kind of like, I'm going 55, I'm doing what's right, get on a mixtape and I'm, I'm trying something new. I'm saying stuff I wouldn't say on my album. Be like, yo, this is, this is where real fans are hanging out at. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's almost fearful in a way to think that that's a, a time and an era that could, that could almost go forgotten, you know what I mean? In a lot of ways, because a lot of that music, you know, only existed in that, in that space, in that platform. And, you know, that's what, that's what inspired me. You know what I'm saying? I was a, I was a kid that like, it was because of the mixtape and it was because of that feeling. Like, you know, I remember the first time I got a clue tape and, you know, I heard the new shit and I went to school and I, I felt like ahead of the curve because I was listening to records that everybody else wasn't hip to, you know, that feeling like, yo, I'm up on something you don't know about. Like, you know, that, that, that was like, yeah, that, 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 that was a special feeling in rap, like to, to feel like you was ahead of the game and to feel like you was, you know, you knew it was hot before everyone else was and everything so and then you know again like it was it was a lot of ways it was like the wild wild west where you know when it came to your album you had to you had to go through you know red tape and cross your t's and dot your eyes on your mixtape you know you could go for the gusto and snatch this beat and you know destroy it and 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 take this and you know and then over time the mixtape became a different thing it went from like you said like you hearing the new mcs to who's who was hot to then you know people taking, you know, the 50 formula and, and turning, um, somebody's song and, and making it better, you know what I'm saying? And, and then with Gangsta Grills, where it became like, almost like a, a whole new street album, you know? And it's like, you know, I feel like, I guess, obviously where we are today, you know, when it comes to DSPs, the, the, 
the it went from mixtapes to the blog era to the playlists now, you know, and playlists are like the closest feeling we can get. You know, you go to rap caviar to try to see what's hot and what's new that that's the closest feeling you're going to get but there's still you know no feeling like that that mixtape feel where it was like you could just do whatever the fuck you wanted and you know no it was it was no holds bar i want to talk more about your whole mixtape world but you got two of the biggest names in the game who you plucked and grew into massive stars in in Lil Uzi Vert and Jack Harlow. And like, you, I, it's not just they have great music and thus they will blow up. It takes the team around them to properly seed them, put them out there and like, you know, get them out there. So first of all, what did you see and hear in Uzi that made you say, I, I, I need to say, because that's your first big signing, right? So the label is looking at you like, are you yeah. sure? Because you better be right, because, like, we put this money into you. You want to give him how much? You better be right. Like, you don't have, you haven't built up your, now, I'm sure you could go in with a potted plant. They'd be like, yo, he, drama knows what he's talking about. But at that time, you're still proving yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. My, my, my job was on the line, actually, and in, in somewhat, even that, because I had, um, I was like a, I was two years in with my A&R gig at Atlantic. And, you know, they, when I first came over there, they were kind of giving me things that were already in the building to to work with, you know, and that wasn't really my, it, it wasn't how I, I worked, you know, that wasn't the school I came from per se. So, you know, when we, um when we uh brought Uzi to the table, you know, they were, it kind of was like, listen, I'm going to give you this. Like, you know, I had Mean Streets. I had my studio, which, you know, was in partnership. And, you know, and they were like, we're going to let you focus on Uzi and let's see how this goes. But, you know, if, yeah, like you said, like that as, as my as my first big signing, you know, it was a, it was a lot behind that. Uh, thank God it was successful. Um, but when it came to to Uzi, what, what a, a lot of what I saw in him was that, you know, him being from Philly, and me knowing what the the history of like Philly rap was and is and how how kind of how different he was in a, in a sense, like, you know, his name is Little Uzi Vertical. He got that name because, you know, someone told him early on that the way he rapped, how, how he uh, he spit bars was like comparable to like to, you know, Uzi as in a gun, you know, so he he always had like this lyrical ability that um, we knew he had, but you know, when it, when people, when I first, when I first had to explain the vert or people were like, what are you working on? And I was like, Hey, we just signed this kid Uzi. And people were like, Oh, okay. My, the, the, at the time, the only way I could explain it was he is to Philly. What I would see like a, the ASAP movement was to New York in and in, in a lot of senses in a way of like, there's this there's this this new culture coming from kids who, you know, they're not they, they're not spitting the way that respectfully Meek or, 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 or Siegel was spitting in a sense like he's coming, you know, left field with it. And, you know, he, he has he has um, he has range when it comes to, um, you know, melodies and, and songs and, you know, and and um, so that was that was a big thing we saw in him early and, you know, just. A, a lot of it was just in his confidence and and where he where he saw himself 
going, you know, he, he knew early on of, of what his vision was. And, and, you know, as, as a, as a creative myself, I always respected that. And, you know, like, um, I still think a lot of times, you know, in, in the, in, in, in the music industry, like everything is somewhat of a gamble in a sense. So, you know, when we put love is rage out and, um, the, 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 um, chemistry be, be, between him and Cannon, I mean, like, the way it hit, we was like, you know, I, I knew the kid was going to be successful, but it skyrocketed to the moon. And it was like, wow, you know, so. But yeah. but, but I don't want to, I, I think a lot of people would think if you put out great music, it will go multi-platinum. And it's more complicated than that. What did you yeah. and your group do to help take this great music and get him to the stratosphere? Um, I mean, we did a lot, you know, we, we, um, we put him in front of people, you know, obviously because of, you know, I was already established in, of, of who I am, you know, my, my co-sign meant something. So, yep. you know, we were able to take him to sway in the morning and do interviews and, and freestyles or, you know, the, uh, the summer before love is rage came out. I, I was on a tour with Wiz Khalifa and fallout boy. So, you know, I took Uzi on tour with me and he would come out during my set and just, and just do one record, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, literally put him in front of 15,000, you know, off top. And, you know, I was doing gigs all around the country. So, you know, we would, we were, I was in LA every, you know, every other weekend and, and um, we would have him come and perform and, and play his records and, you know, introduce him to DJs and things like that. And, you know, he's definitely, you know, he, he's, he, we also, we also learned um, the, how uh, during his success was right around the transition of the physical into um, the SoundCloud era and DSPs and everything. So, you know, we kind of, you know, and in some some senses, I would say we we lucked out in it with an artist that you know was able to um, was able to really like take advantage of you know that era of of the SoundCloud and you know and and, and gaining traction that way and you know big on DSPs and and getting listeners that way. So so yeah, so yeah, it, it takes a lot. I mean, you know, we we're in a time and a space now where like. Who, 25,000 new songs drop every Friday, you know, and, and new artists are, you know, the attention span is, is so, it's so short now, you know, it's, it's almost, it's almost disappointing in a lot of ways, how fast things come and go, you know what I mean? So um, it's still, you know, it take it still takes a lot of groundwork, you know what I mean? And, and, and uh, I think that's, you know, something that me and my team would, you know, with Lake and Cannon, we put into it, you know, and, and I, I and we all knew, we all knew like, I think the the way our company was structured, you know, we we played our positions well. You know, I knew that I was the, you know, the light bulb that people paid attention when I spoke or, you know, brought something or and Cannon was, you know, very creative when it came to the music and studio. And, you know, Lake was, you know, um, uh, very business savvy and came from managing people, including myself and, you know, other artists in the past. So, you know, we we had good chemistry together. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, 
Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. So when Uzi comes to you, with a record, a demo or whatever, or are you saying, are you in the studio? Are you saying, maybe we could do that verse better? Maybe we can make this beat better? Or you just like let him do what he wants to do? Most of it with someone like Uzi is letting him do what he wants to do. You know, him and Cannon had a different type of chemistry. So, you know, uh, that's something that... F- when it came to Uzi, Cannon would would do and say so. It's so you know that might not necessarily be my job when it comes to it, but as a as a company, you know, as a label, yeah, we are still in there, you know, helping provide sounds and you know, um, uh, giving uh, suggestions and, and things of that nature, and just you know, even creating an atmosphere. Another thing I left out was you know, Mean Street Studios in itself. You know, the um, the studio that I, I built. You know, I built a, you know, we literally built a hub and a culture for Atlanta at the time. So, you know, Uzi left Philly and came, came 
to Atlanta and, you know, his first record, uh, what do you want? The carnage record the, the demo version of that record was called thug a voice. And he literally comes to mean streets, you know, the, my building and the first person he meets is young thug and recording in there. And you know, Metro is, is here. And, you know, you never know who's coming by just because of the energy that was created from, you know, from the studio and everything, which, which in itself helps, you know, build a sound and, you know, um, and and uh, build an build an artist. So there's this TikTok going around. I don't know if you've seen this. This average white boy is saying, "Yo, the two hottest guys on the planet are Pete Davidson and Jack Harlow, and we're getting up at 6 a.m. to go to the gym. We gotta re-strategize." <laughs> and like Jack, you see, have you seen this? This is it's amazing. And Jack yeah. is Jack is one of these guys who's like central to the culture changing how people think about like how they should be just doing their thing. Um, what did you see in Jack? Cause just looking at him, nothing would say to me, yo, he's going to be a rap star. Nothing. Right. Like he, uh, you know, he got the mop of curly corny hair. I'm like, I look at Uzi. I'm like, yo, he could be a rap star. I look at Jack. I'm like him. Like, yeah. oh, he's a singer, right? No, he's a rap. Like, what? He's a rapper? What was it about Jack that made you say, yo, he could go? Some of that, some of that attracts me, I think. I think I like, um, you know, I've I've always felt myself like an underdog in a lot of ways. Or every time, like, every time I've done something, it's like, okay, you still got to prove it and do it again, you know? So, you know, when Jack, when Jack, when someone brought Jack to me, and I, I was, you know, started paying attention to him. Um, honestly, one of the things that we vibed on early was just our uh, our interest in, in the same type of films, in the same type of movies. What movies? And then, um, interestingly enough, there was this movie called E2 Ma Tambien. Yeah, yeah. That somehow, some way it came up in the conversation and Jack was so shocked that I was familiar with that film <laughs> and that movie. You know, and he just like he just wound up talking about film at the time. But you know, again, it was also his. It was it was his. It was his bars. You know, when it came to his lyrics, when I when I sat down and 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 had a conversation with him and realized, like you know, he um, you know, he's very serious, like about where he wants to go and what he believes, you know, he can accomplish. And when it comes to his craft, you know, and that that in itself is like always attractive to me, you know, when I, when I think about an artist in a lot of ways and, you know, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, I, he's become this fucking sex symbol and he, you know, he literally looked like the Napoleon dynamite when I first met him, you know, but, um, but yeah, he, he had this record called, um, uh, dark night. And it was just like, the bars was, 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 was crazy. And, you know, the kid was like, I just, you know, again, like, I and I've had that conversation with people like, uh, you know, we come from an era where a, my rap star, Method Man is like a rap star to me. Like he, you know, it's a certain look and image of, of, of how I'm used to having my rap stars when I was, you know, coming up as a kid. And, you know, we're in a totally different space and place and time. And, you know, I think that's what kind of like, um, interested me about Jack in a lot of that way. And, and, and I was, I was always very, um, I was very, always very impressed how comfortable in his own skinny was. 
as as, you know. as a label guy, what part of you said, "Oh, a white boy who could spit"? Okay. Um, to me, it wasn't. To me, I felt like it's not. 1999 or 2000 anymore so i felt like there's been enough we're in a time where hip-hop has evolved in a in a in a a place where you can you know there can be a white rapper and there can be he can be someone like jack harlow who can be one of those guys like it's it can happen you know what i'm saying like yeah if it was if it was 99 or 01 and you know, and M's our only our only um, example of of a successful white artist. I think it would be a you know, it, but it he would, attra- uh, he attracts more attention more- right away, right? Doing it as a white person, he attracts more attention uh, than doing uh, it as a black person. Absolutely, absolutely, in a sense where I feel like there are were opportunities for him because he's white that may come may come faster than as a black artist. But then at the same time, there's also a part of it that, you know, it's, it's, it's tougher for a white artist to, you know, to find his coolness in a, in a, you know, a, 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 a black culture, you know what I mean? And so I've, we've, we've had those conversations even throughout people at, at the label at, at Atlantic who were like, yeah, are you sure about this? or you know in a sense of that so so you know it's both sides of it per se but again I think you know because of because of um because of Jack's comfortability in in his his skin that that really impressed me in that sense so Seti Hendrix is your next priority right what do you and 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 he's got some records out he's got some skills got some name he's nowhere near the Jack and the Uzi name. What do you need to do as a team to get him to a much bigger uh, level? What is the plan? Um, I think the plan for SETI is just really like to, to get the right record and out and in, in the right space. And, you know, I like for me, I feel like SETI's a, a record away. You know, he's somebody that. Everybody's a know, record away. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. Everybody's a record array. Outside of that, you know, I mean, I I just do what I do daily. Like you know, when it's again putting them in the right spaces and places, and you know, waving the flag and uh, having those conversations, and you know, going back on tour and you know, taking him with me or letting him do his thing or so forth. So so yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Everybody's a, is a record away in a lot of sense, but. It's about catching it. it, know, so. it, it is it is it a situation where now that you have Uzi and Jack, you could take someone like Seti, who's already established his own creativity, his own talent, and put him on a the right record with Uzi and or Jack and help propel him? You know, I would love that. I mean, that would be amazing. Like, you know, that's when you think about labels and, you know, the, the history from um, you know, from Death Row or Bad Boy or even current labels, absolutely. With our label, it's a little different because everybody's kind of in their own space. But you know, at, for sure, like um, one thing that I think would would be amazing is a, a SETI and a Uzi record, a collaboration, and you know, him gaining those fans and 
you know, them coming across. I mean, and that's always important, just, you know, like uh, cross promotion in a lot of those ways. Let me ask you something. We, we, we like to let a lot of those things happen organically as well. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to force that upon anybody. Let me ask you something that just occurred to me. Let me keep it real with you. Cause you've been on the other side of the table as an artist, right? Going to the label being like, yo, let's make a record and you get whatever deal you get. Now you're on the buyer side of the table. Are you giving them a better deal than what you and other artists were getting when you guys were the artists? You know what I'm saying? You mean business-wise? Yeah. Um, I, we do. I definitely do good and fair deals. That that's for sure. So, am I? I would think. I would think so compared to what record deals were like. 20 or plus years ago, I think they've all gotten better over time. I mean, it's, it's, it's only the, you know, the responsible thing in the, you know, yeah, coming from an artist, I definitely want to do fair deals with artists per se. And I, and I understand, you know, how it works in, in a way. And that was one thing I was going to, I was going to bring up with Jack. I was going to um, mention to you earlier. One, I think one of the things that, you know, because of, of him being white or being looked at in a certain way. The fact that he was standing alongside DJ drama, who comes from this lineage of gangster grills and, you know, young Jeezy and, and little Wayne and what have you made people say, Oh, let me check it out. And, you know, gives him, you know, a leg to stand on per se in a lot of senses. Sure. And then, you know, in, in the world, and then, and then, you know, things change and he's a fucking superstar and people are, I'm, you know, coming in the door with him per se. So, you know, we let that work organically, but when it comes to, when it comes to like record deals, yeah, I've always, I've always, we've taken pride in always doing fair and good business deals, which was, which was all, which was a little hard when we were going through a little public thing with Uzi and, you know, there was kind of this like um, perception as if we, you know, were, not doing right by him or, you know, uh, being unfair in, in our record, in his record deal, which was not really the case. When you talk about Lil Wayne, what you guys did with those dedication albums was incredible. And like that period of his career was surreal. It was like every time he opened his mouth, it was something incredible, right? I mean, like before he went to jail, Every freaking thing he did was amazing. Still is, by the way. He still is, but he's not that. He'll blow my mind, but, like, it, it was, like, a three, four-year period where, like, everything he said, I was like, yo, that was incredible. Just talk about rocking with him in that period when, like, just everything was fire. Um... I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it, but how you how you phrased it, like when I when interestingly enough, like when I first, you know, I came along or we started doing mixtapes, he was in a transitional period between um, he was he was doing his squad up mixtapes uh, right before we started doing dedication. And, you know, it was right when it was when he first did the first Carter album and what have you. So, you know, I, I was, you know, my knowledge of Wayne was not the most lyrical artist, you know, when we first started to work together. And, um, you know, when first sent me the music 
for the, the first dedication. And I really put my ear to it and just like heard where he was going. I it was, you know, I remember thinking like, yo, this is, this is special. Like this is, this is different. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not, this is not the same wobbly, wobbly drop it like it's hot kid. You know what I mean? Like he's putting a lot of, lot, a lot of effort into these bars. And I was already hearing it somewhat from what he had already been doing from the squad up mixtapes. So, you know, when I think about dedication during that period, the Carter albums, by the time we got to like dedication to like where Wayne was lyrically, you know, where I was with my brand and how, you know, I was putting the tapes together. It was like, it was like, it was like a masterpiece. Like it was one of the best albums of the year and it was a fucking mixtape, you know, and he was just the way he was demolishing other people's beats. Like it made people fearful. Like it was like a gift and a curse for Wayne to get on, on your record. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, like, you know, to this day, I, I you know, the, the Canon, Canon remix with him and, you know, like watching him work is just something it's, it's something special in its own because I mean, he's a studio rat, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll record the most impeccable bars and, you know, in an hour's time, you know what I'm saying? And then go on right to another record. So Does he write? Yeah. No, he doesn't write. No, all that's, you know, there's no, there's no pen. There's no pen. So, so, so you make a beat and he goes in, he mumbles and then he gets to like some hot shit. And you're just sitting there like, yo, this is, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So, yeah, I I mean, as you know, it's a, for me to just. And he's a couple of takes, you know, right. It's not, it's not, it's quick. Yeah. Like, you know, he'll do like, he'll go in and do like four bars and then, you know, think mumble some more shit and then do another four bars and then put it together in that sense. Or he'll, I, he'll spit. I I think he might've, when he did the Canon verse go, you know, cause we cut that verse actually. It was even, it was longer than the, than what's actually out there. And like, you know, those were, those were all straight bars, like nonstop. Like, That's crazy. That's fucking crazy. Um, yeah, he's one. He's one of a kind. He's he's in a, in a league of his own. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, I mean, like I, I, I think about him as one of the top five, six MCs of all time, and I know that's an argument that people will be like, oh, I don't know, but like you know, when you say Jay, Nas, Big, Kendrick, nobody's gonna argue that. But you want to put up Wayne in that top five, six, seven group? People be like, ah, oh, I don't know about Wayne. Like, yo, who's got more hot shit? Like, I mean, like, if you put the amount of hot shit and metaphors and lyrics and, like, incredible, like, flows, that guy. Respectfully, you know, when 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 Hove did his interview when um with Alicia Keys a couple weeks ago and the verses came up and, you know, he said, nobody's touching them. Like, you know, I, I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, when it comes to a verses, like Wayne could, could give Hove a run for his money. Like when it, when it really comes down to it, you know, he's one of those guys, he's, 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 a, he's a go. And, and the way, you know, and even with your argument <clears throat> to add to that is you got to think of. What does eating healthy mean to you? 
Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low-sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it, and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, 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 um, the generation that, that, he, that he's uh, inspired, you know, I mean, you know, like the way that Jay, Nas, and Big are to a lot of us of a certain age, like Wayne is that to a, a whole, to a, a age group. Like he's, he's the one, you know what I'm saying? And like you have to put in... The fact that he gave us Nicki Minaj and Drake, who are two goats of their own, you know? So, yeah. Hi, I'm Shantae, the host of Edges. Edges is a storytelling podcast where Black hair and mental health intersect. It's about all the choices that we make with our hair, all the choices that are made for us, all the things that we have no control over, and how that all really impacts our identity, both how we feel about ourselves and how the world perceives us, for better or for worse. Subscribe to Edges on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Uh, you know, I find it, I find your career really interesting because you are able to rock with pretty much any kind of sound you want. You become known with the Gangster Grills, which is T.I., you know, which is Wayne, which is hard shit. But then... When you want to go do with Pharrell, which is a completely different vibe, bam, we do that. Wouldn't expect you on a Tyler the Creator album, but bam, you're you're there and that fits. How are you able to like have it so broad in terms of what what you do? Um, that's I thank you and that's like that's one of the ultimate compliments for me. I I think like it's been a blessing because I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a student of the game. You know, I come from, you know, the first group I ever saw in front of me, like actually get on and get a record deal was the roots. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, like my next door neighbor was Bahamadia or I, you know, I came up listening to a tribe called quest and Smith and Wesson. And then I moved to Atlanta and, you know, I, I went to uh, Clark Atlanta where, you know, we had, people from all over the country that wanted to hear their 
favorite shit at the party. So, you know, it's because of these, I guess, I guess being a DJ and, and coming from, you know, coming from the era that I come from and, and being able to navigate like, and, and being such a, just a, have such a love and a passion for the culture and for every aspect of it, you know, has enabled me to go in so many different directions and to appreciate it in a lot of ways, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, even with gangster grills, like when it was known <clears throat> for a certain type of rap, you know, when I, when the opportunity to, to go off and, and do and rock with Pharrell came, like I, that was so big for me because, you know, I was able to, I was able to transition and like, you know, show some of my backpacker roots. Like, you know, I came up in Atlanta DJ and lyricist lounges and, you know, like, uh, 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 fucking, um, shows for black star, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you know, coming up with tip and GZ and things of that nature. So the, to come around even in a full circle moment to, you know, to be part of Tyler's album, you know, it's just a, it's an ode to even to that history and for, you know, for Tyler to, you know, when it, he's always told me how how big Gangsta Grills was for him or, you know, what I'm saying um, even the Pharrell tape and how in, inspiring that was. And, you know, for me to be able to just to just navigate, it's just I don't know. It's just, you know, it's something that I've 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 had a lot of fun doing in a lot of ways. And, you know, even through the mixtapes, like various various artists being able to like uh take my persona of someone who's so loud and boisterous in a sense but you know be able to flip it and you know make it work with currency where i'm not yelling and screaming the same as i might on a gucci tape or you know um this project or what have you so so yeah i mean i think a a lot of that for me is just to be able you know again it's just to just a love and a, and a passion and, and to be such a student in the game. And, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's been a wild ride. Somebody tweeted out last year, like, yo, DJ drama literally really went from TI to Jeezy to little Uzi to Jack Harlow, like, you know, salute to that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's dope to me. And it's, it's, it's all, it all, it all comes, it's all hip hop. Like we're all, you know, we're all, we, we all, we're all, lovers of the culture, you know, for what that means. And I feel like in part of what you're saying, going to an HBCU helps you a lot, gives you a nice just sort of grounding in black culture. I mean, folks who may not know, you're talking about Clark, but Clark is on right there called the AUC with Morehouse, Spellman, Morris Brown. What's the other one? There was five of them. It was four of them. It was Morris Brown. Okay. You know, it it was, it was a beautiful situation with like just, just the pride and the love and the love of blackness in all these campuses right on top of each other. Absolutely. That did a lot for my career. I mean, again, because, you know, coming from Philly, like when I came to school, I learned, I, you know, one being a DJ, again, and, and, and doing parties in the AUC, like you said, and, you know, we're in Atlanta, but, you know, the AUC is made up of kids from Texas, from New York, from Louisiana, from Florida, from, from Arizona, from LA, from California, from the Bay area. And everybody loves 
what they love the same way I felt about what I may have loved at the time. So, you know, I had to, I, 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 that concept, thankfully I learned very early on, like, Oh, I got to be able to please everybody at these parties. You know what I'm saying? Cause everybody wants to hear their shit and the way they, the way they feel about their shit is like, yo, I want to, I want to, this is that shit. So, you know, because, because of that and, and, and the time that I was, I was in Atlanta and like you said, and, and, you know, um, um, what culture was, what culture meant and what, what Atlanta was becoming and the dominant force in hip hop and everything. I mean, it did, it, you know, I, 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 the story couldn't have been written any different. You know what I'm saying? I was, I'm so thankful that I, I came to Atlanta at the time that I did. And I definitely don't know if my career would be the same if I, if I had, I hadn't been transplanted here when I was. So, you, you know, you're a guy who, you know, was was blowing up in the mixtape scene, helping all the labels, helping lots of artists, you know, not, you know, not stepping outside of the law. And then here comes the law to freaking like, fuck with your shit. I, I want to talk about that. But first off, are you still bitter about what happened? Not at all. Not bitter at all. I mean, looking back on it, they made me more famous than I was. So it was like, you couldn't pay for that type of promotion. Like, you know, it was DJ drama and Gangsta Grills was 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 a thing already. But, you know, when when I got when I got raided and, you know, like I was like the top of the food chain when it came to mixtapes, like I was literally that guy. So I, you know, overnight I become this martyr, you know, and this like almost this kind of this champion for a culture that, you know, people were looking like, how, how, how dare you, you know what I'm saying? How, how dare you come for, for, for drama and mixtapes and, you know, something that we've been doing thus far and has, has garnered so much for, for the culture and, and meant so much. So, so no, I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't bitter. And, and for me, like, I always felt, you know, Obviously, that was still at a point in my career where that could have been the end. You know, it could have been a story like, oh, remember the DJ, that guy, DJ Drama, used to make mixtapes and then he got raided and whatever happened to him, you know. But, you know, because for me, again, you know, because of like where I where I was in 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 life or just how I felt about the game, I was like, this is just a chapter in my book. You know what I'm saying? Like when it's all said and done, like, you know, we're we'll be talking to, I'm going to make them forget about that for all the shit I'm going to accomplish when it's all said and done. So, um, so that was my way of looking at it at the time in a sense where like, you know, this, this is just my first step of challenge with adverse adversity. You know what I mean? I hate that it happened to me. And I, I did, I didn't, I felt more guilt than I've, I felt bitterness because I felt like there was, I, ne- I didn't want to see a culture that I came up loving you know, die on my shoulders, you know, on my back, you know, because of whatever, whatever, however, you know, it wound up happening, you know, here I was coming up loving, you know, Ron G and Duop and Kid Capri and Clue and SNS and all these guys. And then I become, I become the man. And then, you know, I get raided and everyone's fearful of making mixtapes again, you know? So, you know, it was important for me to like, I kind of, you know, stand strong and, you know, like, speak very highly of, of, of the, 
where I came from when it came to, you know, what mixtapes meant for me and everything. And then I watched the game, you know, I literally watched mixtapes become bigger than they ever were after that. You know, it, it took on a whole new life from, you know, the way a whole new generation, you know, uh, uh, used, used the platform and became the, the new superstars. Cause you know, still after the raid with mixtapes, Wiz was putting them out and Cole was putting them out and Drake was was making them and Kendrick was doing Section 80 and, you know, I still was doing Dedication 3 and, you know, we still I still made Dream Chasers after that and me and 2 Chains. So there was still much mixtape history that happened after that, you know, that um, that still means a lot to the story. But the, I mean, I, I, I've heard you talk about this a little before. The industry that you were feeding and helping in a major way was the ones who was like, yo, stop that guy. Right. right. Like the police didn't figure this out on their own. The industry must have said that guy is Rob. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would feel a little like, damn, like we were working together and then. Right. A hundred percent. Like we no, could have like at least talked it out without you freaking having real, me arrested. Real, real shit. Yeah. They didn't go to target and, and, Put them guys on the on the ground with M16. So for sure, it was absolutely like, yeah, here's the here's the RIAA who were, you know, I got plaques on my walls from who are then also, you know, giving the okay for these guys to come, you know, lock me up and arrest me and say I'm doing something wrong. So, you know, I I I really I I looked at it like clearly there's a there's a breakdown and miscommunication through the music business and the industry of you know what what it was that you know I did what it was we as as a culture as mixtape DJs did and you know just the way we were being targeted like it was it was definitely fucked up um and and you know I you know I always I definitely took my like little shots at the RAA at the time you know for how it went down what have you but you know, again, I mean, I, it was like I couldn't I wasn't going to sit back and just feel bitter about it. You know, we've we, we got to keep going. It's, you know, it's, it's more history to make. Can you can you describe for us the the w what happened when they when they came and, and, and grabbed you the raid? Like what happened? Um, It was a it was we had just came back. It was from MLK holiday i was actually i was in the studio working on my album um my old studio at the time and you know i kind of gotten tipped off that that you know the cops were coming down to like you know to 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 rate us and i was i was thinking it was a mistake and you know they were coming for another building or what have you and you know i mean we i literally like went outside to move my car at the time and next thing you know there's there's Black Tahoes, um, uh, off guys with M16s jumping out of them, helicopters above. I mean, it was like, you know, it was like some real gangster shit. You know what I'm saying? And pointed at me and told me to get on the ground. And I'm still calm because I'm thinking it's where there's a there's a mistake here. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, they asked for my ID. I give it to they. I give it to them, and they say Tyree Simmons. They was like, okay, we got one of the perps. And I'm thinking like, what the the fuck is going on? They stand me up and say, Tyree Simmons, you're being arrested under the RICO law for bootlegging and racketeering. RICO, you know, like the RICO is, you know, what they, it's some real gangster shit. And I'm like, I've never been locked up in my life before. So, 
you know, we go, me and Cannon get locked up. We go to jail. Next thing you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's news everywhere, you know, all, all over. I mean, it becomes national news. Like, you know, DJ drama and Don Cannon are arrested for mixtape local DJs. We were called local DJs at the time. Um, long story short, like, you know, there's, there's been, there's, there's, there's been so many various theories on how and why and what happened and what not the 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 law i i don't think the 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 guy that was working at the RAA at the time had just came from a law enforcement background uh, and i don't think they realized what exactly they were getting themselves themselves into you know when they came to raid me and there was some confusion the law that they actually like got me on was 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 called the true name law which meant when you make a, a actual um uh a cd at the time you have to have an address on there so when we were making mixtapes i didn't have an actual physical address on the back of the the mixtape so that was like that was like that was the law that they used to keep all the money in my bank account that they seized at the time, you know, but we, you know, we, we met with the RAA, me and Canon at times. And, you know, um, the charges were eventually dropped and they, you know, they wanted us to do like a, a PSA where we would say, Hey guys, don't, you know, don't, don't sell, don't sell someone's music. It's, it's against the law to sell somebody's music. So we actually did one of those PSAs that never came out anywhere. Um, I did it with the NPR story a year ago. I, I, I'm curious if it still exists somewhere, but, but yeah, I mean, but, but the other thing too was, you know, I had just gotten my, my, my album deal at Atlantic and, you know, Atlantic came to me like, this is great promotion. We can't wait to put your album out now. Like, you know, uh, how, how soon can you get it done? You know, so <laughs> it was an interesting time. Can you say, uh, last thing on this, can you say, how many days you were in and how much did they seize? How many days I did were in jail was in jail? Yeah, it was like a couple days, right? At 24 hours. It was one day. Right, right, right. <laughs> they seized, they always they see they say they seized like 80,000 mixtapes. I always think it's somewhere between like maybe I don't think we had 80,000 mixtapes there in the building at the time. I think we had I mean we had a lot. It was like it was a good maybe 30, 40,000 per se. And, you know, they seized, they seized all the mixtapes. I, I had, they, they took about uh half a million dollars from me wow. that they never gave back. Wow. Seized that money and they used that. They never gave me a, a, um, um, yeah, they seized that. And they basically were that again, they, they, they said the true name law was the law that they, they used and they couldn't tell which money was from mixtapes or from this or from that, or, you know, so they, but how can they yeah. seize that kind of money without ever actually, cause you never got charged. Right. But it was, they used the Rico because they, they never, they also never, um, um, what's it called? They never gave me a, um, you know, when they say, um, what's it called? Like when you, um, when someone like bootlegging a movie or something and they a fine of, you know, and they say, we'll fine you $250,000 or what have you. If we kept, they, they never actually quote unquote find me. So they just, they used that the account that the mixtape money was in as, you know, uh, I guess a, a barter for not finding me. <laughs> oh, gee, thanks guys. So, right. so, so, so you got Atlantic standing by you, like, let's get this record out as fast as we can. 
I'm curious. I mean, like that's a huge help, but how you rebounded from that low moment. Cause I'm sure you felt a lot of stress, anxiety from what had happened, but it's like, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta charge back up the hill. I did. I mean, that was it. You know, it was, again, I just, it was just that it was like, yo, I can't, you know, I, I can't let this stop me. Like, you know, I, the, the record I have on my first album with outcast, um, the, the hook on that is March to Ambrosius. And, you know, I literally like went to, to my Lake who was, who was manager at the time was like, yo, listen, I need something that's going to be like, you know, nothing's going to stop us. We're going to keep going like this, you know, this is not the end of my story. And, you know, she literally wrote the hook and, you know, that was how I wound up getting an Andre 3000 verse, you know, and I had been trying for a year before that and wound up having an outcast record on my first album. So, you know, it, it, it gave me a lot of, it, it gave me, I, I just, I used others as, as inspiration. I, you know, I thought about, you know, Puff's early years when, you know, uh, uh, rest in peace to Heavy D. And, you know, when when the incident happened at the um, celebrity basketball game and, you know, uh, other people that had just gone through, you know, tough times and and, and had rebound, rebounded and was just like, yo, this is this is the test because, you know, I mean, at the same time, you know, they, they love to see you win and they they love to see you fall, too. It was like, you know, I, that like that, that could have been the end of the story, per se. And, you know, I was I just was so focused on like making it saying like even in my interviews at the time, I remember saying, yo, this, this is just going to be one chapter in my story. You know what I'm saying? This is not, I, I'm, I will not allow this to just define me. And, you know, it's always been part of my career. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't shy away from it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think it, I think it's, it's become very historic. I mean, it put me in the history books, faster than I was already on my way to in a lot of ways, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, there's studies about it to this day, you know, and I, I think even when we think about where, where the industry is now with the DSPs and, you know, what, where we've, be, where we've come to, you know, it's, it's such a important part of hip hop history and the culture, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to have gone through and rebounded from and like where you are now. I mean, like that guy could look at this guy and be like, damn, like, you know, we washed that off and we kept going, we kept rising. You know what I mean? So, I mean, respect for that. Last thing, what is your superpower? What is the thing that you do better than other people that has allowed you to have the success that you've had? Um... I think I'm an incredible surfer. You know, I've always said that, you know, if I, if I wasn't a DJ in my other life, if, 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 if my white side would have took hold of me, I would have been a surfer. And I, I, I think that I'm, I, I, I navigate waves incredibly well, you know, and, and when I say waves, I mean, through the culture, you know, through the generations, you know, again, I'm somebody that my first mixtape had the black thought on it, you know, and I was DJing for Bahamadia and here I am, you know, 20 plus years later, you know, with Jack Harlow, you know, one of the biggest uh, new, new artists in the game and, you know, a uh, little Uzi under my belt as, as well as, you know, all the history of gangster grills. I just, you know, I was just part of, you know, what people are saying was the best album of the year last year would call me if you get lost. So, um, yeah, I think I think being 
being an incredible surfer and being able to navigate through through the culture, through the waves is, is my superpower. Thanks so much to DJ Drama for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. and Maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editors, Ryan Woodhull. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington and Nick Carp. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.